You sound like a hyena <laughs> guggling, gargling jizz. That's how I sounded last night. Episode to the Extraordinary Files podcast. My name is Matt here in the studio with Ashley Hannah and the man behind the curtain, Ted, bringing you the next episode of the Extraordinary Files podcast. Later on this episode, we're going to cover the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. I'm sure you've heard about it before. You might know some of it, mm-hmm. right, Hannah? Absolutely not. You don't know about Lindbergh or Ray, the Lindbergh baby kidnapping? Hannah, Never heard of it. Tell me, did you do the research? No. Oh, you didn't do research on this one either? No, you guys did it. <laughs> no, Matt did it, actually. I didn't hmm. do any of this one. Matt did it. Hmm. What do you hear, Hannah? For entertainment value. <laughs> to hit her head on the microphone. <laughs> what is this, episode five? It is. The what? wizard. Wizard, we need a confirmation. Is that five, right? He says yes. He gives us the nod. The man behind the curtain says Five episode five, the Lindberger Lindberger cheese <laughs> is Ashley's favorite. Oh, let's see. Well, we did find something interesting this week. <laughs> Speaking about Lindberger cheese, we found out that Ashley has a foot fetish. Oh my god! <laughs> that where she likes to take Lindberger Lindberger cheese and shove between the toes. Where do you come up and with this people shit? lick? The cheese, Lindberger cheese out of the toes. That is fantastically disgusting. She's embarrassed now. She's like, my now mom. I, just I can't don't. stop looking at your feet. <laughs> See, her shoes are I off. I just don't even know where you come from. <laughs> Hannah's the one who was just talking about being on the fetish app. Yeah, I was. That's why she has so many followers. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> Gross. Hmm. First of Ashley, all. Ashley, you should sign up. I'm sure they've got a cheese toe cheese. <laughs> Portion <laughs> somewhere. It's got to be Lindberger. Though. <gasps> Lindberger. You know what? You know Lindberger no. stinks, correct? No. Oh uh, yeah, Lindberger cheese like is like ripe. I mean, it smells like. Ew. I've poop. Never, never heard of it or seen it or smelled it. You've never heard of Lindberger cheese? No, actually, I haven't. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing until like two minutes ago. So, other than Ashley's foot fetish with Lindberger oh, cheese. <laughs> Oh, that's why you're trying to act like you don't know about Lindbergh. I've never heard of it before. I'm, I'm too proper for that. Deny, deny, deny. Deny till you die. Okay. Yeah, see, there it comes out. There it is. It's not worth the fight. It's that's not right. worth it. Not your, worth it. Your mom just fell out of her chair. I'm going to tell her she's not allowed to listen anymore. Sorry, mom. <laughs> you, you heard it here first. The news broke out. Ashley's banning you. <laughs> There went all of our subscribers. <laughs> no, we might have picked up a couple. Yeah. Oh, good. There's other people. I'm sure if you have the fetish, there's other people out there that have that same fetish. There's probably, probably a whole website. I actually took a um, class in college. <laughs> Bear with me. <laughs> I think I realized how that came out. I actually took a class in college, and we it was a sexual studies class. I experimented in college, is what she's saying. Um, one time at band not. Camp. I did. I was in band camp. Oh, see? I was in marching band, but talk about skin flutes, trombones. Mm-hmm. Was your trombone Tromboners. rusty? I played the cymbals in college. 
<laughs> anyway. Um, so. <laughs> I played the symbols in college. Oh, not taken away from anybody out there that's used the symbols as a way to get yourself through college at all. But that was just... That was fantastic. I did. I played cymbals my freshman year in college. You know, I played uh, the cowbell. Did you? Yeah, just, just yeah, keep on hitting it. You always could use my cowbell. Yeah, the cowbell. I played the cymbals. <laughs> so, while you were in college playing the uh, cymbals and you researched and you experimented and all that other stuff. What we, now? No, I took a like a sexual studies course. Mm. And it was really interesting. And we took, um, I read... A lot of very weird articles about some fetishes. And yeah. There's weird <laughs> shit out there. You're just leaving us with that? <laughs> All that build up for just, there's some weird shit out there. Okay, so one I of figured the guys. You're going, I figured you were going somewhere with that. I figured we were going down the rabbit hole guys, for somewhere special. One of these guys in this article, he had this thing with his baby blanket. That he could only get off. No, that was a different one. This one was a pillow. He had this special pillow that he's had for a long time, and he could only get off if he had this pillow. So he took his pillow with him. On date night. Everywhere. And then there's this other guy who would... Speaking of balls in places... (laughs) Like a pool ball, like a billiards ball. I'm done. I can't talk about that. No, no, you can't leave us hanging like that. All these people right now are listening to cars. Like, what's up with yeah. there? Is this Pool one ball. guy who at band camp? No, no. Okay, no, go ahead. Band camp. I, I... Did he put it up his ass? Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you did, Hannah. I did. I mean, I just said it. And the, that's it. the only way that he would like Holy do stuff. F- that, that's oh. the only way that he could reach. And that's because I don't want to be talking about it. That's why I'm away from my mic. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. And then this other guy would. I can hear Ashley now. He had a. Pea fetishes are common, I guess. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Ashley's like, Not I don't know, but I guess. <laughs> that's more common something. than these other things. Golden but this, this, this one guy like made games out of like trying to shoot. And just cut all this out. <laughs> no way. We gotta talk about this. I'm not, I, I should have done a little bit more research because I don't remember. Um. <laughs> what did he like pee just and try to like get it in their like mouths? And, or I don't know. I don't remember. Okay, <laughs> but I want to know what the guy with the pillow like. Mm-hmm. He could only literally get off if he had his pillow with him. So is it? It just had to be like in the room, or did he have to like be holding it? I think it was or... holding it, if I remember correctly. Or did he just have to get off in the pillow? No, it wasn't inside the pillow. It was like on the pillow. He just had to have the pillow with him. So it didn't have to be like crusty or <clears throat> no, a dusty think... sock. But I'm sure it probably was. <laughs> I don't know. Oh well, there went five minutes for cutting out. That was a TMI for that one. <laughs> Seriously, cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) And starting over. (laughs) Just in case you guys don't know, Ashley is 82 years old. And a prude. I am. (laughs) 
I'm not gonna deny it. Such a prude. I'm and an we, old and soul. What we have figured out is that she's kind of like the librarian by day, but at nighttime, it's you guys hear how the freak comes out, and then she tries to deny it. She lets it out like it escapes in little like bits. little bursts. Little, yeah. She gives you little glimpses. Yeah, and then and it kind of scares you. I mean, some of the stuff that comes out of Ashley's mouth, you like, you're like, ooh, damn, yeah, some freak. She's like dominatrix. <laughs> That's why she's so mean to me. Hmm. But you like that. I do. Since you're so submissive. I am a submissive, actually. Thank you very much. <laughs> I know. I seen your. <laughs> How would you know? I seen your. Uh, they both have apps on your profile. <laughs> I seen your profile. So. All right, to get in, now that we've got all that out of the way, to get into a little bit of what our story is, like again, we're going to talk about the Charles Lindbergh baby kidnapping. Charles Lindbergh Jr. First off, I don't know if, <clears throat> Hannah, do you know who Charles Lindbergh is? No. Ashley? I've heard about it. All right, well, let's go to history for a minute. First, he was the first person to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, I did know that. It was the spirit of St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken. That's what he flew in. He left with two two sandwiches and a cup of coffee, I think. And basically the plane was loaded up with nothing but that and gas. <laughs> which Ashley has plenty of. She could have... <laughs> they could have put her in there with a tube and they would have powered themselves to the moon. Mm -hmm. All right. But anyhow, so he was very famous at the time. Because of the feat that he did. So, right. I mean, this is like, I mean, this is like one of the most known families at the time in the world because of his accomplishments. Again, Charles Lindbergh. So Charles had a son named Charles Lindbergh Jr. Okay. March 1st, 1932, Charles Jr. He was 20 months at the time was abducted from his home in Fairfield. The home was called Fairfield. East Amwell, New Jersey. All right. Highfields. What'd I say? Fairfield. Oh, yeah, it's Highfields. <laughs> Fairfield's around here. So that's where Ashley's from, in case you guys want to know. Fairfield. That's where I live. Oh, that's where Hannah lives. Now Hannah's going to have stalkers. Yep. She does on her site already. It's fine. She, she, She's uh, like, I live with my parents. It's okay. It's their house. <laughs> Hannah embraces that. She likes all the, the freaks and the, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Come on over. Come on over. Let's oh, do my it. God. Oh, my God. She's a, <laughs> Ashley's she likes to She likes to cause pain. So if you guys are into that. <laughs> Not necessarily cause it. I like pain. Stop. Stop. Receive. Oh, she likes... <laughs> She's demonstrating as she's choking herself. <laughs> All right. So now we know that. Here we go. Let's talk about this kidnapping. At 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday. Now, Tuesday is going to be a date that's important. So remember, Tuesday, March 1st, 1932. Tuesday. Tuesday. Family nurse and nanny, Betty Gow, G-O-W, put the 20-month-old Charles, they called him Egg. <laughs> Poor baby. In his crib. <laughs> All right. He's probably bald. At 9.30, Charles, dad, comes home. He's in the library. 
which is directly below the baby's room, and he heard a noise that he told people that it sounded like a crate. I think, as a matter of fact, I think he said an orange crate fell off and, like, crashed or something. And then didn't think anything of it. I guess they heard the noise. Nobody else heard the noise, but that's what he described about 930. Now, one of the things with this is that the dad, Charles, did not want his baby to be coddled at all. Okay, so he had specific instructions for the nurse or the nanny, we'll call her Betty, not to check on the baby until 10 p.m. All the time. I mean, he was, once you let him down, he was not allowed to be checked on in case, I guess if he was crying, don't go in and like baby him and all that. He'll just have to cry it out, cry himself to sleep, whatever the case might be. Couldn't check on the baby until 10 PM. So when the nanny finally went up into there at 10 PM, she found the child was not in the crib. So she immediately ran downstairs. She told dad that, you know, the child's not in the room. They checked with the other family members to make sure somebody else didn't get him out of the crib um, couldn't find him so then they started to search the property and came up with nothing when they went to look at the room again um, to really inspect things they noticed they found a note sitting on the windowsill they, they just missed this the first time well i think they're looking for a baby okay. i mean they're probably in that mindset of just baby and they're not really paying right. you know right looking at what else could be yet. yeah what else yeah. could be you know your mind i'm looking for a baby and that's about it so they found the ransom note um when they went out to the outside and looked at you know to really ins start and inspect things they found two impressions in the ground kind of under the window the baby's the baby's room was on the second floor okay there was two indents to the right of directly underneath the ladder. Okay. Or I'm sorry, directly underneath the window. And basically that was found to be where like a ladder had been pre propped up against the house. And the, when the, you know, whoever climbed up the ladder, the right. weight pushed it down into the ground. So there's impressions of that in the ground. And then, like I said, it was to the, to the right of the window. So it wasn't directly on the window. It right. was kind of a little bit taller. And so it's to the right of the window. Okay. Um, but then basically they seen that they searched the grounds, found nothing. And then within 20 minutes, the police were en route to their house. So that's basically how things started back then at the point, that point in time, there was really no federal laws for kidnapping. Basically this case is kind of what started that the federal kidnapping law to where if you were to take a, a, a kidnapping, person amongst you know state lines then yeah. the feds could get involved so interesting hopewell borough police and the new jersey state police officers conducted an extensive search of the home and its surroundings and area and found nothing after midnight a fingerprint expert examined the ransom note and ladder and they said that there was no usable prints or footprints were to be found leading them to believe that the kidnapper or nappers wore gloves and had some sort of cloth on the soles of their shoes. No adult fingerprints were found in the baby's room. Okay. Now this is kind of one of these things that make you go, Hmm. There was no fingerprints of the adult that was found in the room, including areas 
which witnesses admitted to touching. So, you know, as a fingerprint expert comes in, they say, is there any areas that you might have touched or, you know, all that type of stuff? And they said, yeah, hey, I touched this, touched this. Well, when they checked those areas, there was nothing there. Like the window area, all that. The only fingerprints were found in the room was the baby's fingerprints. No adult prints, just baby prints. So, <clears throat> that makes you go, hmm. Now, there was, like we talked about the ransom note. It was a handwritten ransom note that was riddled with spelling mistakes and grammatical errors. Like Hannah wrote it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> really? Now, I'm going to read you what this says, and I'm going to kind of tell you how some of the words were spelled and some of the way the things were divvied out, I guess. Or not divvied out, but done so that you guys can kind of come along with some of these errors and I can kind of tell you what to think or why I think the way I think. But it says, Dear Sir, have $50,000. Now, the dollar sign was at the rear of the 50000 Ready, R-E-D-Y. So have 50000 ready, $25,000 with the dollars at the end, in $20 bills, the same way all these all these monetary notes are written with the dollar signs at the rear of the, the amount. $20 bills, um, $15,000 in $10, and $100,000 in $5 bills. It says after... $10,000 in $5. What'd I say? You said $100,000. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. $10,000 in $5 bills. After two to four days, we will inform you where to deliver the money, M-O-N-Y. All right, that was the first line. Out of all the words they spelled wrong. <laughs> right. Now, we warn you for making any ding, it's A-N-Y-D-I-N-G, any ding public or to notify the police. The child is in good, G-U-T, care. And I'll, I'm going to come back to that good G-U-T care in just a moment. Um, and then it says the indications for all letters are signature and three holes. Okay, now one of the really interesting things about this, with this signature and the three holes, is at the bottom of the note, there were two interconnected blue circles surrounding a red circle with a hole that was punched in the center of the red circle and then two more holes on the right and the left. And we'll put a, a link on our... Facebook page of the actual note itself and what the signature looked like. It kind of reminds you, I don't want to say reminds you of, but it's like a symbol for like, you know, if you guys are more familiar with like the Zodiac killers that had like the, the signature. So basically he put these, this elaborate, um, the three hole punch with some squiggly lines and the circles and the red circle. He put that on there or the, the killer, or I'm sorry, not the killer, but the kidnapper or kidnappers put this on there to show what, would be a legitimate note from them. So they kind of kept that a secret. Nobody really knew that. And the only way that they would know it was from a real source would be have this little design on there. Now, one of the things is that there were some New Jersey officials. They announced a $25,000 reward for the safe return of the what they, who they called Little Lindy. The Lindbergh family offered an additional 50000 reward of their own. 
So now they're already up to seventy five thousand dollars of what the kidnapper only wanted fifty thousand. Right. So, and back then this was a tremendous sum of money because you know this is during the Great Depression, and seventy five thousand dollars. I mean, this is a lot of money nowadays, let alone you know back then. So. On March 6th, that would have been, what, five days later, a new ransom letter arrived by mail at the Lindy or Lindbergh home. The letter was postmarked March 4th, and it came from Brooklyn. It carried the perforated red and blue marks, and the ransom had been raised to $70,000. And again, it was kind of weird because it was warned not to contact the police again. They told him, still don't contact the police, but obviously... If they're putting out rewards, right. then it's obviously known that, you know, hey, people's going to know this. So that's kind of a, an odd thing, or they just weren't that smart. But So to, to speed things along, I guess there was a few letters that had went back and forth between the kidnapper and the front man for the Limburgers. They, they had a contact man that was basically doing all this stuff for them. Fielding all of them. Right. Things. Yeah. So what they were going to do with the ransom was... The ransom was put into a custom-made box. They made a custom wooden box um, <laughs> that they hoped that would be used for later identification so they knew it okay, wasn't just a regular... Sense. I was going to say, man, they wasted some time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean... They... <laughs> just build this nice box because we've got some time to kill while right. my child's missing. <laughs> no, they did it specifically so that that way they could later identify okay. it and know, you know where it came from. But the other thing is that the ransom was put together all using gold certificates. Now, the thing about that at this time is that the gold certificates were just about to go out of use in the U.S. government. You know, the gold mm -hmm. standard was going to be abolished. And since they were doing away with the gold certificates, that would even be more of a flag that if anybody was to turn in gold certificates... Right, they could catch know, them. They could catch them, right. So... All of the serial numbers of all the bills were recorded. Okay. So they didn't necessarily mark the bills, but they had all these bills wrote down. So while the guy was building the box, they had a team of people, I guess, <laughs> writing down all the serial numbers of all these dollars. Let's fast forward now. A month into the, the kidnapping, April Holy 2nd, cow. the front man was given a note by a middle person. Um, an unknown cab driver. And then they were supposed to meet at a cemetery. All right. So when they went to the cemetery, this is where the front man and the, the, the kidnappers person was supposed to, to meet. They called him Cemetery John, by the way. Once they got to the cemetery, the Lindbergh front man told the Cemetery John that they were only able to raise the $50,000. Um, the man accepted the money. And then gave their front man a note saying that the child was in the care of two innocent women, but they did not give him the child back at the time. So basically, they got the money. They gave the money at first. They're, you know, you're usually in those, those types of things. You're, you're supposed to say, hey, let me see the kid first. Uh -huh. You know, I don't see the kid. Well, you know, so it's kind of weird that you would go ahead and just give him the money. Right. And then accept just a note saying, oh, the kid's in good care. Peace. <laughs> Yeah, so now you weird. just you just lost all your money. You blew your wad and nothing to show for it. <laughs> so now Cemetery John, the thing about Cemetery John is it was said that he was 
of German dialect or German accent. Okay? okay. And tying into that, I said with the ransom note, some of the things in there that kind of sparked my attention was they also believe that the ransom note was somebody from German descent. I guess one of the things is the way some of the misspellings and then by the way they write the, the monetary, they use the sign after the yeah. money. Yeah. Um, the other thing is kind of interesting that really kind of gives it away for me is when it says the child is in good GUT care. Yeah. Meaning good, but also good as in Gutentag. Good is good in German. Gutentag. Yes, Gutentag. But good care. So they think that the person that had wrote the note also was of German descent. Now let's fast forward to May. Another month now. So we're looking into two plus months. Yeah, that can't be good. Yeah, May 12th. There was a <laughs> delivery truck driver, William Allen. He pulled aside of the road about four and a half miles south of the Limburg home, and he went to the grove of trees to relieve himself. You know, they didn't have rest areas back then, I guess. So he got a, stopped and relieved himself. All of a sudden, when he's out relieving himself in the groves, he discovered the body of a toddler. The skull was bad, badly fractured and the body badly decomposed. It, it said that it looked like there had been animals chewing on it and there was indications that they tried to do a hasty burial. Huh. So they were trying to cover it up, all, you know, but it wasn't good. But the, the nurse, the nanny, identified the baby as the missing infant from the, I guess it had some overlapping toes of the right foot and a shirt Part that of she had made because of the rickets. We haven't got to rickets yet. Oh, sorry. Fast forward. Uh -huh. <laughs> Jumping the gun there. Yeah, she jumped the gun. Spoiler <laughs> um, alert. Yeah. <laughs> but of the overlapping toes and the shirt that he had made, it appeared that the child had been killed to a blow to the head. And then once the body was found, I know that the Lindbergh insisted on cremation. During the, the coroner's report, the, cor the coroner said at the state of decomposition and, and the way the body was, they believed that the child had been dead for approximately two months, most likely the night that it was taken. Gotcha. Okay, so this whole time... My throat just made a noise. Sorry. <laughs> Your demons are coming. Mel looks around like, where the fuck's the demon? <laughs> Shazam. All right. So the baby's been dead since the night of the kidnapping. Yeah. Or either the night of or soon thereof. But, you know, <clears throat> it's most likely I would probably say the night of. Because if it was, uh, if it was shortly after, why would you come back? To wherever you, because you're not hanging out four right. and a half miles away from the house. You know, it might have happened. And if it was a road four miles, they realized whatever they did, which, and I'm going to talk about some theories here shortly, but they realized that it was dead. So now we can't just be carrying this dead body around. So let's go over here into the, the groves. We'll try to cover it up with some whatever and still try to get our money before anybody wises up. As time goes on, the investigation pretty much comes to a, a halt. There's not really any opening leads. There's there's really nowhere for them to go, so they're kind of stuck. One of the things that the investigators did was they printed out pamphlets with the serial numbers of the ransom bills 
it must have been a lot. I don't know how they did it, but basically they, they put out pamphlets with the gold certificates with the serial numbers on it. And approximately a quarter of a million copies were distributed to businesses, mainly throughout the New York City area. There was a few of the ransom bills that appeared in scattered locations, some as far away as Chicago and Minnesota. Um, but the people that sp spent those bills were never really found. They never really were able to connect it. They just know that the money ended up in these locations. Whew, what a waste of time. <laughs> well, they were trying to do anything they could possibly yeah. to, you know. So let's see. Then there was a man that brought $2,980 to a Manhattan bank for exchange because you could take those gold certificates into a bank and exchange it for proper new currency that wasn't part of the, you know, the gold standard. It was later realized that the, um, the money that he brought in was from the ransom. When he came into the bank, he gave the name of J.J. Faulkner. If I'm not mistaken, Faulkner is a Germanisk era last name. Um, sure. I'm I pretty sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. That doesn't surprise me. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> off, man. Yeah, there we go. So J.J. Faulkner of 537 West, 149th Street. But basically, when they went to go to that location, nobody lived there by that name. So that was kind of a dead end. Obviously, whoever knew they were turning it in was being deceptive in that. Right. So now we continue fast forward and as it goes along. And then there was a gas station man manager that was given one of the gold certificates. And when he realized it, I guess he also said the guy was acting shifty and odd, which brought attention to him in the first place. Then when he paid, um, this, this gas station manager knew that this was one of the, the gold certificates. Well, he wrote down the license plate of the car okay. on the gold certificate. Okay. Good. Yep. So there, there we go. There's, here's someone, you know, doing their job or at least being smart, having a little bit of common sense. <laughs> but he gave that to the police. Then the police found that the license plate belonged to a sedan owner by the name of Richard Hauptman. Hauptman. How would you say that, Ashley? I'd say Haupt, probably. Hauptman? H-A-U-P-T-M-A-N-N, -N, yeah. Okay. Hauptman. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, we don't know. If your last name is that, tell us how to properly Haupt pronounce it. <laughs> of 1279 East, 222nd Street in the Bronx. Now, Richard is an immigrant that has some criminal records in Germany. Um, when he was arrested, they went and found him. He was carrying a single $20 gold certificate. So he was carrying one of the gold certificates. And then as they went to his house and did a search and all that kind of stuff, the things that they would do in the midst of an investigation, they found over $14,000 of the ransom money that was found in his garage. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, Hauptman stated that the... There was a box and some other items that were left behind by his friend and former business partner by the last name of Fish. Isidore? Isidore Fish? Um, Fish had died on March 29th, 1934, shortly after returning to Germany, so he couldn't be questioned about it. Um, and then Hotman only stated that he learned after Fish's death, that the shoebox that he had left behind with some other items contained the considerable amount of money. 
Now so, is this box the, the box? No, this was this a shoe box. box. Yeah, okay. So this wasn't the box that was handcrafted. Sure. Right. So no, this was just a shoe box. So he said he didn't, like I said, he didn't look into it or really, I guess, pay much attention to it because it was his stuff. And only after he died, did he start looking into it? So he found the money. He says that he kept the money because it was owed to him because of business deals that him and Finch had made. Um, so Hopman continuously denied any connection with the crimes or knowledge and that the money was in the house for the ransom. So he said, no, 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 nothing to do with me. Um, they had a trial. It was quickly deemed as the trial of the century. Yeah. Um, and one of the things about it, they, the man, the prosecutor was really, really into this, you know, Hey, he's German. He has the money. A lot of the stuff that came across was kind of circumstantial, wasn't pointing, you know, fiery guns at him or anything as far as right. that goes. So, I mean, but anyhow, there, the trial of the century happened, and it also says there was one report that said that Hopman actually turned down a large offer from a newspaper for a confession and refused the last minute offer to commute and they were going to com commute his ex execution to a life sentence in exchange for a confession. And he still didn't. So that's, that's kind of one of those things that make you go, Hmm. Cause even if a guilty person was just about to get into the chair, would yeah. that guilty person say, Hey, I can tell them whatever they want to hear. If it's going to save my bacon, I'll live in prison the rest of my life. But, right. But maybe maybe he didn't want to live in prison the rest of his life either. That's what I was gonna say. So death is probably better at that point. Yeah. Then it was April third, nineteen thirty six, just after four years of the kidnapping, that he sat in the chair and rode the lightning. They finally uh, electrocuted him for that crime. Now, some of the things to talk about before that, the governor at the time actually gave him, I don't want to say a, a stay of execution, gave him the reprieve, gave him like a 30-day reprieve because things started to come out that didn't make sense. And the governor even said, man, this prosecutor is like really blindly going after this guy and not looking into everything that right. he you know, should be looking into. So the governor was able to extend his date for 30 days, but that didn't help much because... Um, one of the other things is there was another gentleman that came in and helped confess or he confessed to it parts of it or, or having, you know, to do with it. So they kind of, that was all during this time. And they kind of, you know, held off because the big thing is this, they have always thought this could not just be a one person gig. They wanted right. to find out more about it. There, there had to be more. Well, okay. So what's the history? Why, why this kid was it just totally random. Well, I mean, it's probably the most famous family in the world at that well, time. Okay, Remember, the that's dad true. just, that's true, that's you know, true. very, very famous. Okay, I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably, I mean, it's big profile, big okay. profile case because of right. who it is. Right. Um, Duh. Yeah. Cold Ash, Ashes on cold medicines. So, <laughs> um, but anyhow, he, like I said, was put to death the entire time. He constantly refused any type of, uh, wrongdoing and and said none of that nothing happened now one of the things we talked about is their house their house there was 
still under construction to a sense. They were building it and, and working on it still. And they were only really going there on the weekends. Okay. They were going there for the weekends to oversee things, I guess, or whatever. I mean, I guess during the week, um, Charles had a lot of stuff of New York. So he was usually, you know, in New York at those, those times they would come back on the weekends and it was back and forth, back and forth. So they were supposed to usually they they come there and leave on the Monday is when they would leave. But I guess dad, Charles yeah, said that the kid had a little bit of a cold, so they weren't going to leave Monday and they were going to stay. They ended up staying until Tuesday. All right. Now, so again, we talked about this Tuesday being a, right. an interesting thing. So let's now let's kind of pick that apart for a minute. If they're always gone, someone who's casing that house of when to break in right. and possibly pick this kid up, he wouldn't have been there. Right. Except for this one time. So it would have to be someone who knew that. That they were staying. They were staying. Right. So that's that's where we're starting to get into this being an inside job. They're, right. they're starting to think, okay, this is kind of funny. So they stayed the extra night per Charles' dad because the baby had a slight cold. Um, you know, they talked about when Charles said he heard that crash, it sounded like an orange crate falling off of a chair, I think is what it was. Yeah. He was the only one that heard it. Um, the other thing is they had a dog there. I okay. guess the dog barks at everything. Yeah. Everything, anything, and everybody. Dog didn't hear it. Or didn't respond. Didn't respond. Well, true. Because maybe it was somebody that the dog recognized. Or didn't really hear it. Okay. So either or, right. Well, but it doesn't appear that necessarily might have been Charles. Because he was still inside. And, you know, I guess they were all, they're having dinner and all that kind of stuff. Right, but I'm saying it could have been somebody else that was familiar with the family. Um. But like I said, the coroner said that was the child most likely died on the night it was taken to a blow to the back of the head. Um, we talked about how um, they believed that it was very hard for a one-man person to do this. Like I said, the imprints of the ladder were to the right side of the window of a second story. So there was attempts to to do this, to, to re recreate a one-person person doing this. One person yeah. group. Or yeah. I shouldn't say group. One person. <laughs> a solo man job. How about that? Right. I'll there get you go. it out. There you go. So they had the guy put the ladder up and climb up the ladder. Then you had to open the window up. Open so you're window. you're gonna kinda hanging off to the left side of the ladder, right. trying to, you know, to push it open. You go in. So now and it's you have to like come off the ladder to the left side to climb into the window. Right. You know, you're, so your center of gravity is way off. Very awkward and hard to do so. It was able to be done, but it was, I mean, it, it they struggled quite a bit to right. try to make this. Because once you got partway in, you basically just had to lunge and hop in and kind of just like uh, yeah. scoot yourself in. So then come inside, grab the baby. As you're holding the baby, then you got to leave the ransom note on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. Close the window. Get out. Yeah. Get out the window. 
feet first with the baby in your arms. Maybe that's how the baby got the head injury. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's. Oops! I dropped the baby and accidentally killed yeah, it. <laughs> that's some of the thoughts that you know right. it, it happened during the whole thing. Right. They dropped the baby and maybe out the window accident. or you know hit the head on the windowsill something while they were trying to get out. And then as they drive away, they said, oh, this kid ain't breathing no more. Let's dump it in the woods so we can still try to get our money. Right. And, you know, hide it as best we can. So, I mean, that, again, is one of the thoughts. But, you know, you have to get your feet out. You have to, uh, you know, angle back onto the ladder. Put the, you know, the ransom note on the windowsill. Shut the window mm-hmm. down and take off. All right. So that was one of the things that, you know, it's, it was doable. They did recreate it, but it was rough going. And they actually did not, when they did it, they did not recreate it holding a baby, obviously. Right. Because I'm sure that would just would have escalated things. <laughs> yeah. Tremendously, tremendously. So, but like I said, then, you know, around 930, he said he heard the, the, the noise, but the dog didn't bark. Now, if the dog heard it or not, I don't know. It's interesting, again, that no fingerprints were found, even in the room where people said they were touching. So it almost sounds like maybe prints were wiped. Wiped off, definitely. You know, but then still, but the baby's prints were like at the window and stuff, but no other adults. So now you're almost thinking, well, maybe do they even, is this everything outside just planted? Or did, and did they actually have the baby on the inside and just, you know, kind of wipe prints down or whatever and then just put the baby's hands in areas? I mean, this is a 20-month-old. Right. That's, I mean, almost. Almost two. Almost two. That's, I can see my daughter at 20 months old trying to fight back, screaming and, you know, putting their hands everywhere, grabbing places and doing stuff. So, so it could have been someone they knew where the, the kid felt comfortable. Right. Possibly. Right. Maybe the kid was hit in the back of the head prior to, to make him go unconscious so that he wouldn't holler and scream. Right. And then they just did it too hard and crushed his skull. So, I mean, there's, you know, multiple things there, but needless to say, that was kind of one of those funny things that they did not find, you know, any prints anywhere along there or on the ladder. Now the ladder kind of makes more sense to me because I mean, we've got lots more about the ladder too. One of the big things is that, Charles being who he was, he had a lot of high power, high profile people. Um, one being the superintendent, I believe, of the New Jersey State Police. So the dad himself was very involved into this investigation, kind of almost directing of how he wants things to go. And some say that this was even to a fault. So that he was tainting the investigation too right, much right not knowing the best routes but he was still you know directing it or some could even say that he steered it where he needed to steer it to clear someone maybe himself right out of it um now the wood in the ladder and the wood the way the ladder was built there's several crime scene photos of this ladder which is kind of interesting but the wood is said to have been taken out of Hupman's um, attic. Okay. They had a, a wood expert come in during the trial yeah. and said that... The, so that's the guy that was executed. Right. Hauptman. Yep. Yeah. It came out of his attic. Okay. Okay. They said that the person, like I said, he was a, a wood expert 
because of the <laughs> That's word a job. expert. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? I'm a word expert. He was able to um, <laughs> determine that the same wood, it was, uh, it was the same wood and the growth rings and whatever an expert in wood does. Age type. All that kind of good stuff. I guess this was, <laughs> he knows his way around some wood, I guess. Oh. oh, and this was <laughs> interesting. And I would like that job. I would like that job. <laughs> now, one of the things in the trial is that they have, once they have the ladder back, they take the ladder up and put it into the attic, the side of the ladder. And right. they gave it a number. I don't remember the number offhand, but they showed how the nail holes matched up on the ladder side with how it was laid into the attic. Okay. All right. So that was a big part of the trial that, right. you know, basically this is almost like a fingerprint because here's nail holes that are in the rafters that they meet directly up with the holes that's in the ladder and all that kind of stuff. Big deal. Well, in the crime scene photos, if you go back and look, they have the, the ladder there and the pictures of it. There is no nail holes anywhere on the sides of those pieces of wood. Hmm. So today. Did they photograph both sides of the ladder? I mean. Or just the one side? I don't know. If you're nailing something, if you're nailing one of those floorboards down to it, you're going to go all the way through into the rafter in the first place though. Oh, I, okay. I just understood what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no yeah, the, <clears throat> the sides of the ladder was like the floorboards. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then gotcha, the rafter gotcha. where the nail holes were in, okay. so they would have had to go on through the floorboard all the way through to hold right. that down. Right, 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 okay. But there was no holes in the ladder. So, conspiracy theories, and actually people that haven't looked into this case since then said that they're pretty confident that these photos were, I mean, that that, that whole thing was placed in her to make up to, to plant evidence to prosecute them yes. right to a sense to make their case a little bit more rock solid gotcha all right so it's said that helpman was a um con- i don't want to say contractor he i mean he was a woodworker so he knew his way around some wood hannah yes he <laughs> was in the wrong field <laughs> i am and woodworker there was <laughs> that's what we're calling it now <laughs> sorry there was some plans that were found at the house that roughly mimic this the way the the ladder was built, but I guess his story was it was from some kid that did it for a project or something. So okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one. Um, but the interesting things are another another interesting tidbit is here, and they kind of started to believe that there was an inside job going on, and they interviewed. And interrogated one of the housemaids there. And from what? At Hopton? At no, at Lindbergh's Lindbergh house. house. Okay. And it sounds like these interrogations were pretty intense. They were not messing around. It sounds like some of the people they even talked to received a pretty good, back in the day, police work beating. And... Also, like I said, the girl that they were interviewing, one of the maids, they interrogated her so long and so hard, and her story was kind of, you know, she was frazzled because of how the intense the investigation was working. 
or the investigators were working towards her, that she actually... What's wrong? I was going to say something. <laughs> well, say it. Yeah. Well, he's. I was going to say that's what she said. Oh. Because you said how long and hard, and she was frazzled <laughs> by how long and hard. You missed your opportunity. <laughs> I know. You started talking too quick, though. I didn't have that. I was trying not to overlap you, you know. So the housemaid, after the interrogation... She actually went and drank some polish, silver polish, killed herself. She drank silver polish. Yeah, she drank silver polish because I think that it has some sort of a form of a cyanide, I think, in the silver polish. But drank it, killed herself. Only to find out just like a day or two after that, that they verified her, her alibi. Oh, my God. But some say that some say that she killed herself because she was had involvement and other people said because of how intense the interrogation was and she was in she fear of losing accused. her job she, I mean she pretty much knew she right. was getting canned while the kids gone anyhow so so she ended up drinking silver polish um, yeah right that's now a, that's a way to go one of the things they talk about that during the time, that one of the maids or the caregivers of the child, I believe, or it could have even been the mom. I'm not 100% sure who did it. But they put in the newspaper a list of things that the boy required. Basically, for, care, for his care. Yeah, you know, what he ate on a normal basis, what he drank, you know, what time he laid down for a nap. <laughs> like a kid that first going to give a shit. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, in, you know, if it's the mom, yeah. she just wants to make sure the kid's taken care of. So, hey, if you do have him, please, this is his routine. This is, you know, please take care of him as good as possible. Yeah, you know. I guess I could see myself doing that for my kids. But at the bottom of it, it said that the baby required 14 drops of Listerol. <laughs> Listerol. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. It said that he needed to have 14 drops of Viastrol, we'll say. I'm That'll not, work. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. It's V-I-O-S-T-E-R-O-L. And basically, this at the time was a common medicine or vitamin supplements at the time to give to someone who has rickets. Now, they have pictures of of egg, little Lindy. <laughs> and I guess that they show that he's always, I mean, I guess the footages or pictures, he's wobbly, you know, and gotcha. they think that they, so they... At this point in time in history, they, they kind of think today that most likely that he was suffering from rickets. Okay. All right. So he had a, the disease, I guess you would call it, if it's a disease or just a, a deficit. I don't, I'm not 100% sure it's, what it's classified. It starts off because of a deficit. Okay. Yeah. Now, moving into the conspiracy, more of the conspiracy theory, Dad Charles... Um, he was a believer in eugenics. Now, eugenics is big. You guys might know it more so from Nazi time, mm -hmm. where there is a supreme race that there is, you know, to you want to breed good people with good people mm -hmm. so that the, the race would continue to get better and better and better. Okay. People in the conspiracy side of things says that since he's had this disease and he's a believer in this, that maybe he did something to it himself because he didn't want to be accused of having not good genes 
and that he wanted, you know, his good genes to continue to, you know, prosper. Some people said that he didn't actually want to kill it. Some people said that he wanted to make it look like a kidnapping. Are you calling the child an it? (laughs) I've been accused of that before. (laughs) So the baby would be taken to Germany and cared for over in Germany. But they think that it was maybe something like you said, if they try to make it look like a kidnapping, right. something happened to the child at the time. Obviously, we're never going to know that. But those right. are all some parts of those, those conspiracy theories to where they think that something might have been involved like that. And there's lots of things that just didn't add up right into the entire investigation. So whatever came of the first guy that we talked about that had the um, German accent? Cemetery John? Yeah. Well, they did, you know, that was somebody. They didn't include him anymore in the suspicion with this other dude that they executed. Well, they never knew. They, they never. Made a connection. Were able to find him because he was one of the, he was just, he took the money and ran. Okay. So I guess the police never really were able to know who that guy was other than Cemetery John because it was just the two front men. Gotcha. But once the front man came back and told him about it, then then that's, you know, he gave him descriptions of him with a heavy German accent. And the description of it and the person to draw the picture of, you know, the what do you call where you uh, do the facial reconstruction? Yeah, the sketch artist. I mean, (laughs) you could say that him and Cemetery John and Hauptman are very close. Gotcha. So was it Hauptman at the cemetery oh, who they called center? Okay. We don't know because he did have a, Ger- a thick German accent. Well, that's. So all could have been the same person too. Yeah, that could could have definitely been him. But since it was just the front man, he took the money and took off, and that was it. It didn't matter anyhow because the child had already passed anyhow. Right. But, and and I mean the other thing is I I would like to try to find out where this whole ideal of the signature with the circles, the right. red dot why, holes. Why all of that? Well, that's just so that that's one thing that the kidnapper's doing to prove that if you get any other letters... Well, yeah, but it just seems... I mean, it was very smart because... See, that's another thing that makes me think that his death was an actual accident. Like, they weren't planning on him dying. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone to all that trouble. <laughs> or do you want to go through all that trouble to cover something up? Maybe. I mean, it's just the thing. You just yeah. don't know. Yeah. Was it? Was all this a... Now, again, maybe it was an accident. And the, like you said, the death was, you know, he fell out the window. Or as he's carrying him down, you know, cracks his head on the windowsill or drops, or him. drops him out the window. Didn't mean to do it. But some people, again, don't believe that. That being said, two stories, still pretty likely. Oh, on a baby skull, if you land it backwards. Depending on how hard, though. I don't know. I could see my two-year-old surviving that shit. I don't know how. She She falls a lot. (laughs) I don't know how well babies bounce. And the ground... The ground. Mo- Ashley's like pretty I'm good. Like, they bounce, they pretty, bounce good. pretty good. My kid takes a lot of falls. Oh. Well, Santa's wa- or Hannah's wanted by the FBI now. Children's <laughs> Services is coming to Ashley's house. Look, checking on the care hey, of the kids. Kids are freaking clumsy. Oh, you're blaming on the kids now. <laughs> the kids. Oh. He fell down the stairs. 
I had a terrible dream that Rennie fell down the steps. Oh my god. It was terrible. Like, she was at the top and she was kind of teetering, looking down because she crawls. You don't have none of the, the gates at the stairs? We do. Okay. I don't know why I had this dream because we do have the gates. But, like, um, I don't know. I was in the bathroom and, like, I was trying to get to her. And before I got to her to get her, she, like... Well, she now, did bounce in my dream. Now you she, now like, you need down. to put down double gates because <sighs> if something has to happen, you just confessed to having <laughs> thoughts. So that's not good. <laughs> it was a dream. Moms will tell you oh, they have man. these dreams all the time. Terrible things. It's scary. Moms have t- terrible dreams about their children. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a nightmare to have something like that happen to your kids. It's a nightmare to have a kid. What? <sighs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> That's why I don't have it. But you're also terrified all the time that something's going to happen to them. I gotcha. Now that we went down that rabbit hole. Everybody take birth control, please. <laughs> Do it. What? Uh, just. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, gave, Matt gave Hannah the side eye. <laughs> I'm just hoping Hannah is. Takes condoms. But yeah, no, you know, it was a very elaborate way that they went ahead and did these notes. So someone put a lot of thought into it. Was it a cover up that they never wanted the baby to be found? Like I said, that they were going to transport him over to Germany anyhow, right. just to live over there. But Charles ended up having seven kids after that aspect, okay. after, after first Lindy. And um, it, it, it appeared that Charles was kind of like a Nazi supporter. And with some things, there's some pictures of, you know, given the whole Heil Hitler. Uh huh symbols and stuff so that was kind of interesting i thought but well tell me matt you were the one who did all the research on this one what do you think happened you know i there's just too many i mean i, I don't think Hauptman, if he did do it was alone and the problem is uh, the one of the big problems is is there was so much of the planted evidence there's just right. too many questions that just don't yep. make sense and they were really gung-ho for him because he matched some of what they wanted. And right. so that they were just going to pile on it. And I mean, and you got to understand, this was, the again, the crime of the century. Mm-hmm. So everybody who was anybody was grabbing a newspaper, you know, trying to find out what was going on with this case. And this prosecutor's name was all over it. Right. You know, and so he wanted to, he didn't want to be the guy that let the killer go. Right. You know, so he was going to do his job to his utmost, however, because he, you know, I mean, this was his career token yeah. case. I mean, he was never going to have another case that was anywhere near this big. Right. So hmm. was there a little hunger a there one. for a little hunger for uh, fame and stardom there instead of doing the right job? I don't know, but. You always wonder if those those people ever have guilt, wondering if they uh, essentially contributed to an innocent person's death, you know? Yeah. I mean, he obviously, well, I don't know. I don't know what he thought. But even the governor thought the same way, and that's why he gave him a reprieve from yeah. the execution. Yeah. The, the governor just said that he was just way too much into this, and there was just too much stuff that didn't add up that they needed to keep on looking at it. And like I said, at that point in time, there was another guy that did a confession that he had been involved. But right. then during the look into that confession, they found out that the investigators who were getting the confession did it the old school way and basically beat this guy from inch of his life to confess to it. So once they found that that, I mean, of course, right. If you're going to beat the tar out of somebody to get him to confess, they're going to confess. And then, 
But immediately, once he was safe, he denied everything and told everybody what happened. He says, the only reason I confessed to it is because they were, you know, beating me from an inch of my life. So then that was ended up thrown out. That didn't count. So that's pretty much where we're at the case. It's still a lot, lot of universities have worked on it. A lot of scholars have done work on it. Lots of books out there. All the different conspiracy theories. It is definitely an unsolved case. And I don't see it in being solved, <laughs> solved at all or have any other light shed on it. I just don't know where, you know, the evidence is going to take it at that point, but there's definitely some, some fishiness, some, some stuff that just don't add up, but that is the Lindberger baby kidnapping. <laughs> Give us your thoughts. Let us know what you he think. Lindberger again. <laughs> I did it for your feet. She, she instantly started laughing. The Lindberger. <laughs> Lindberger baby. Lindberg. She had Lindberg. flashbacks of the pickles oh my gosh. on her shoes. <laughs> you guys. While they're licking the cheese out. Cheese feet. Hannah's like, I got something new to look up tonight. <laughs> As actually deflects it to Hannah. We're going right. to swing that all around. All right. Well, now it's going to be time for our segment. Last words. Famous last words. Who do we have today, Matt? We have... Charlie Goldman. Mm. Charlie Goldman, he's arguably one of the best trainers in the history of professional prize fighting. I definitely knew that. <laughs> Goldman had a reputation for being able to transform even the puniest of boxers into champs. His greatest creation was the undefeated heavyweight champ, Rocky Marciano. Oh, okay. I should have known that. You should have known that. <laughs> so now I look like an idiot. Now you know. Even at the end of the road for Charlie, <coughs> he still couldn't help or resist the opportunity to share some of his wisdom. Oh boy. That's right. I bet so it's what, good. When he passed away, right before he passed away, he said, Only suckers get hit with right hands. There you go. So he was still to his last moments. But, you know, if you get hit with the right hand, you're a sucker. Boxing, that is actually. Not not true suckers. Not like a lollipop. Not, not a <laughs> lollipop. And that's not, a, that's not a lollipop. That's Hannah over there doing something else. <laughs> Does your mother listen to this? No. Thank God. <laughs> At least I don't think. I can see her listening to it. She knows. She, she has a lot of gray hairs. <gasps> From us. That's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> like, we caused her to have gray hairs. She, she gets it colored. It's fine. You just told everybody in the world <laughs> that your mom colors her hair. So? I mean, it's supposed to be a secret, isn't it? I don't know. It ain't no more. I mean, it's you not still... a secret that I dye my hair. Well, no shit. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, but you color it it's different like colors. Red. Yeah. Like pink. Yeah. yeah. It's like hot so pink that doesn't right count. Now. You color different colors. Well, whatever. I don't know. She'll she'll be alright. No respect it. for your mama. Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Gave her secrets Ladies away. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to respect your mothers. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing that it was supposed to be secret. Well. <laughs> Meanwhile, Matt and I are just like 
<laughs> giving her the eye. Like, how could you not know that? Well, that's just kind of like, isn't usually <laughs> ladies' ages supposed to be like yeah. one of those tab- taboo subjects? You just don't talk about it. See, I'm just not like that, so. Because you're young. Yeah. When you get out there a little bit, you're like, no, don't tell nobody, you know, because I'm going to change my fetish birth date to you know, <laughs> keep it young because I want some of these young studs coming up in here. You don't, I don't want have to, to pretend. Some of them like the older girls. Well, you're not old yet. But when I am, I don't have to change my birthday because they're. Be but what there. I mean, but what if you young? I'm, I'm saying what if you want some of these young studs? There are guys that will be looking for older women. So I was, so, I'm, am I missing You're something? You're not following. Because he's saying, what if I want some of the young ones whenever I'm older? Yeah. What if you want some of the old ones then? Then I'll find an old one. Huh. There's always somebody for some, everyone. We need to, we need to come up with a segment for Hannah. <laughs> Fetish Follies with Hannah. Fetish Follies. Let's do it. I'm down. I don't know if, I don't know if. If our explicit rating will cover some of Hannah's <laughs> discussion, is it an explicit and pornographic, or is it all the same thing? I, I guess it's all the same thing, right? I don't know. I hope so. No, I don't know. I don't know. Well, no, some of the stuff like, that you I think so- porn is like rated X, right? And then there's like rated R. So they think porn is worse, right? Isn't that a thing? Explicit. We have E. So what? Is, yeah. So we have E. You sound so smart. <laughs> and there you go with the explicit e <laughs> for our i don't episode. know i get like videos of guys jerking off and stuff like that all the time you get them yeah in the mail no in my you, you actively search for them no they send them to me your friends just send you videos of them flogging the monster on, on my fet life do you actually that. know them um some of them I told you about one of them, and you know them. Oh. Do you remember? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's yeah. not use any names just to protect the I, innocent. I'm not. That's not surprising. Right. I'm not sure. And it's at not all. even impressive. Not at all. Not at all. Well, if you're the impressive party out there sending out pictures or saying it's not impressive, so don't, <laughs> please don't send them to their inbox anymore because they have better fish to fry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, but if, if all these people are sending stuff to you, they're just doing it out of the goodness of their heart? Dude. Or are they getting something back? I mean, they'll get stuff back. Oh, Lord have they, mercy. Some of them. Not all of them. The <laughs> looks of disappointment between Matt, Ted, and me are just... <laughs> I think it's hilarious. You know, once it's on the interweb, it's there forever. <laughs> well, Snapchat videos can't be saved. You don't think? I mean, mm-hmm. not unless somebody else has a phone and is recording the other okay. person's phone. right. I was going to say, I can. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Matt is saying, don't send Matt videos because he will save them. Yeah, well, I don't don't allow my inbox to be um, penetrated with that filth. Oh, okay. You had to use the word penetrated. Yeah, I don't allow my inbox to be penetrated with that raunchy filth. Coming from the one who knew the, what Fet Life was. Well, just because I know, I, I mean, I also know what Christian Mingle is too. I mean, it's yeah, kind of the same thing, isn't it? People hear about Christian Mingle. You don't really hear about Fet Life. I did How'd not. you find out about it? Because the bar that I go to, there's oh. a venue above it that 
Is it in that lifestyle? Yeah. The bar isn't, but the venue, like, people rent it out and have oh, God. a sex club. They've got, like, the I am learning all sorts of things. I wish swings I and chairs and tables and all that stuff. How do you know? Because the cook at the bar that I go to is a friend of mine, and she got um, access up there one day when she was working and took a video of it and sent it to me. There was nobody up there. <laughs> So it was just like the room with all the stuff. I just, I, for the life of me to this right now, this very moment, <clears throat> can't believe that Hannah has not tried to visit this club upstairs. You have to have a membership. Well, you have to be like invited. It's like invite only. Oh, so it's like uppity. It's exclusive. Yeah. And you have it you know, with, with 6,722 friends. Do you have to prove that you are disease free before entry? I don't know. I, I wouldn't know. I haven't. <laughs> like, I have to ask the question. I mean, it just sounds... I'm not. If you I should always be safe. Anyhow, Ashley. Well, right. yes, but like. <laughs> no, I would have to bring my like own person of choice there. I'm not just going to go there and like. And like what? But like just fuck. You mean just like like pick a pick pick a pair off the tree and say, hey, this one's gonna work for her in a moment. <laughs> Ashley's face. She's about to swallow her bottom jaw. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. That would be impressive. Oh, nope. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we end up. I don't know how we're gonna end. <laughs> The Lindbergh baby kidnapping with BDSM Hannah's, talk. Hannah's sex fetish club. All right. So that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of Extraordinary Files. My name is Matt. Here, I'm Ashley. And there's Ashley. I'm Hannah. And Ted's the man behind the curtain, the wizard. Thanking you guys for coming out listening to us. Again, if you guys could give us a thumbs up, like, subscribe, five stars, reviews, ratings, whatever you need to do, we'd greatly appreciate it. Steal your friend's phones, your mom's phones. Yeah. Steal a guy's phone in the coffee shop when he goes up to order some coffee. Or if you're like Hannah, steal her phone in the Six Club. Ooh. <laughs> Send me your dick pics. There oh, it. my gosh. That's what Hannah wants, courtesy of all the people out there. Hannah's inbox is going to be full of <laughs> dick pics. We're going to get famous simply because Hannah's a whore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're welcome. I've already told you I sacrificed my body for the better good of our team. I don't know if I need to get, I don't know if I need to get famous due to the help of Hannah's loins. <laughs> If it gets us paid, you can't complain. Would that make me like your pimp then? <laughs> I get. I mean, it kind of works in, in a sense, you know. I don't know, man. Jeez, the things you learn. The things you I learn. I thought I knew her. I don't know you at all. <laughs> you know, part of me. Just not that part. Just not that part. <laughs> now I'm we know why. We, now we're, now we know why we can't get her hold of her on Friday and Saturday nights until the wee hours of the next morning. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because mm -hmm. I'm a busy woman. 
Like, subscribe. Visit us. Give us a tweet, twatter. Twat. He's not going to let it go. Yep. It's forever going to be twat. Yep. Send us a uh, email, extraordinaryfilesgmail.com. You can visit us at Instagram, Facebook, Extraordinary Files, or on Twitter at <laughs> xfilespod.com. Yep. All right, we're out of here. Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll see you next week with another episode of the Extraordinary Files Podcast. Bye.